Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more. So you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. Aaron Rodgers is the biggest story in the 2023 NFL season. People are curious. Every time we stage a live event, could be one across 10 different sports that we promote. That's our product. 4.6 million women are already sports betting in the U.S. Digitization of ticketing has made things more transparent in some ways and less transparent in others. One of the coolest things about rugby, it's the same rules for men and women. Golf is a sport you can play well beyond your years, unlike any other. You don't have college athletics anymore. You have young people playing professional sports. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports show where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr. I'm Scarlett Fu. And I'm Damian Sassauer. Coming up today, must be autumn. Leaves are falling. Pumpkin spice is in the air. And the World Series is on TV. Texas Rangers are battling the Arizona Diamondbacks. They are facing off in the Fall Classic. Grounded a second. Two years removed from losing 100. The Rangers have won the pennant. Seawall to strike away. Here he comes. Cave, a fly ball to right field over his Carroll. He's got it. And the Arizona Diamondbacks are headed to the World Series. We'll take a look at the ongoing series and discuss what we can expect from the baseball offseason with MLB network analyst and friend of the show, Harold Reynolds. What's happening, you got two teams that have never won. Arizona won in 01, and the Rangers have never won. You know, so I think they look at it like, all right, the new blood is coming. Mm. That is straight ahead on the Bloomberg Business of Sports show. But first, let's look at some of the top stories of the week, beginning with the House of Mouse. Walt Disney Sports Division, you may have heard it as ESPN, could attract outside investors at a valuation of up to $22 billion. My goodness, man, that's that's Damien money. Uh, to help us dig into the numbers, we're joined now by Bloomberg Intelligence Media Analyst, Gita Raganathan. Oh, Gita, thank you so much for joining us on the Bloomberg Business of Sports. Thank you for having me. Well, let's talk about that. ESPN, I I, I could never envision that because I remember when it was born, and I'm thinking there's no way in the world they're, they're going to sell ESPN. But now there's a possibility it could happen. So I don't think they're actually looking to sell ESPN. I mean, remember, this is a, a, one of the core assets for Disney. It's it's a huge part of the brand. And it has for many years not only been the linchpin of the Disney cable networks, but really the, the pay TV bundle as a whole. You know, it kind of commands 
the highest affiliate fees in the industry. And, and they just actually broke out financials for the very first time in the history of the company, kind of just kind of offering, you know, uh, analysts a glimpse into what ESPN's revenue, what its profit profile looks like. And the top line is actually very, very stable. Uh, this this is a network that generates roughly about $16 billion in revenue. Uh, that's about 11, uh, around 11 billion or so in affiliate fees, about four and a half billion in advertising, and it's been pretty stable. So that's the good news. The bad news is that sports rights fees have been escalating um, really, really quickly. And that has been putting a lot of pressure on the bottom line. So, but it still generates good profits. I mean, back in the day, of course, this was a business that was generating about four or five billion dollars in EBITDA. Last year, it brought in about three billion dollars or so, and the twenty-two billion dollar you know valuation was just basically us looking at the EBITDA and kind of looking at other uh, operators in the space at about seven, seven and a half times multiple, and that's where we kind of got to that valuation. But it is still a fairly profitable business. It is still uh, a cash cow for Disney. Right, still profitable business, but definitely has seen its better days, and the outlook is not quite as rosy. So if Disney is not looking to sell ESPN outright, and it's seeking really just outside capital infusion, what will Disney have to give up for that for that cash? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I mean, it, so obviously there's a lot that is still on the table and there are so many different strategic initiatives for Bob Iger to kind of work through. I mean, we've already kind of seen them step out of their comfort zone a little bit when it comes to ESPN for the very first time. In fact, after resisting for so many years, uh, they've actually done a deal with Penn for, you know, sports betting. And this was something that was in the works for a very, very long time. Brings them, you know, $2 billion over 10 years. Um, they're looking, I don't think they're necessarily, you know, there's obviously been a lot of speculation. Should they spin the whole of ESPN? Should they spin their entire linear network business, including ESPN? Or should they just kind of have this outside minority investment, if you will, of from maybe even a league or um you know, a tech giant or, or a telecom giant. So it's it's all still a little bit up in the air. But I think at the end of the day, what they're really looking to do is to make ESPN a true sports aggregator. Um, and, and I think, you know, when they're kind of seeking this external investment, I think they're either looking for a distribution partner, it could be, you know, a telecom company like a Verizon, or it could be, you know, a big tech company, or maybe they're just looking to kind of, you know, partner with the leagues. Again, nothing is clear at this point. I'm not really sure what they need to give up. Maybe they need to share in some of the economics. We do know that the one thing that is going to happen, so the next chapter of ESPN is going to be the launch of the ESPN full-blown streaming service. So right now they do have ESPN+, Plus, but that doesn't necessarily have all of the marquee content. They do need to kind of make that big shift from linear television into streaming, take all of, you know, the big sports that you know we we look you know we find on tv whether it's the nfl the mlb and kind of take that to streaming they've said that they probably do it sometime in 2025 again no um firm plans just yet but they have said that 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 will be done so it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of chalk that out uh, as they kind of seek this investment as well so, Gita, I'm just trying to wrap my brain around this. You know, the reason for the disclosure, and you're mentioning it's perhaps that they want to share their economics at some point for some sort of strategic partnership or acquisition, something along those lines. But, you know, you mentioned that Penn deal. That was $2 billion over 10 years. 
Let me tell you something. The NBA rights deal is coming up. That's going to be something on the order of eight billion yeah. per year for nine years. Does you know? Does Bob Iger really want to show his hand before going into those negotiations? I mean, he's going to be bidding against the Amazons of the world, no? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is the problem for you know the, the any any network that has sports rights, right? It's been these sports rights fees that have just been rising at this astronomical rate. And you're absolutely right. The big thing that does come up for them is the NBA rights. And that's actually one of the reasons why they have to delay this ESPN launch, because they've got to wait uh, till 2025 when everything kind of expires and comes up for renewal and, you know, make sure that they have digital rights for for the NBA. Um, I think what they're looking to do, and this is this seems to be a common theme right now in the sports world is, you know, kind of breaking up the sports rights into a lot of smaller packages. And I think that's what the NBA is going to do as well. So they're probably going to have a TV component. They're going to have multiple digital components. Uh, They're going to break it up, slice it and dice it in different ways so that, you know, no single company is necessarily going to have, uh, you know, the monopoly. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see how they do that. But you're absolutely right in terms of, you know, how they, you know, why they want to show, Um, the financials, well, I think why they really wanted to do it was to show that, you know, ESPN still has uh, a substantial amount of earnings power. So so just to kind of give you some context, ESPN, you know, as I said, brought in about 16 billion in revenue, about 3 billion in profit. You look at the rest of the media networks and the rest of the entertainment division ex-ESPN, it brought in $40 billion in revenue, but only about $2 billion in profit. So, you know, just to kind of show you the size and scope there, ESPN is still a huge, huge profit generator. It will bring in about 25% of profits for Disney this year. And I think that's really what kind of Bob Iger wanted to highlight um, in disclosing the financials. So basically, because of live sports rights getting astronomical, they're going to slice and dice, making it that much more confusing and complicated for (laughs) consumers of sports, which is kind of what it's like around the rest of the world, Damien. I mean, it's just going to get a lot harder for you to watch anything. Yeah, you know, and look, I mean, let's be clear, Bob Iger... How is he keeping his eye on the ball here? I mean, Geeta, you got to explain this to me. I mean, he's now back in the driver's seat, you know, at Disney, and, you know, I'm seeing, you know, actors and writer strikes and all these things going on. I mean, what is going on at Walt Disney Company? Oh my goodness! It's it, you know this has just been a, a, a train wreck. Um, <laughs> and it, not, and, it's no, it's not and, a victory and, lap. Scratch that. <laughs> And it's, you know, the sad part is they have the best collection of assets in the industry, but unfortunately it's kind of been this perfect storm of everything kind of coming together at the same time, whether it's been, you know, some of their Marvel franchises underperforming, whether it's been streaming subscriber losses, whether it's been the lack of streaming profits, you know, this whole implosion in the pay TV universe. The lawsuit in uh, Florida, know. Ron DeSantis, the list <laughs> oh, goes on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the list just goes on and on. So, oh boy, it's it's just been one thing after the other. Um, and they have, you know, multiple strategic things that they need to kind of iron out and iron out pretty quickly. One of the things that they're really looking to do is to gain full ownership of Hulu. Remember, they own about two thirds of that asset. Comcast controls the other one third. They need to get the ball rolling there and kind of acquire the, you know, the remaining third. So that's something that's ongoing right now. And then Bob Iger has kind of promised that as he looks at the company and kind of looks at the new strategic, you know, direction, Um, He is going to take a very close look at all of their assets. And so we've seen multiple news reports about, you know, Disney considering spinning off or selling ABC, selling off some of its other linear networks. 
So yeah, there's just, you know, everything is up in the air right now. And he's obviously, he has a lot of balls to juggle. Many thanks to Bloomberg Intelligence Analyst Geetha Raganathan. Up next on the show, mixed martial artist Francis Ngannou stepping out of the octagon and into a boxing ring. That's straight ahead on Bloomberg Business of Sports. I'm Michael Barr with Scarlett Foo and Damian Sasson. This is Bloomberg. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Heard, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports show where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Bond. I'm Scarlett Fu. And I'm Damien Sassauer. Coming up later in the show, we're talking World Series with Harold Reynolds of the MLB Network. But first, this weekend, mixed martial arts star Francis Ngannou is stepping out of the octagon and into a boxing ring. The match will reportedly pay him $10 million, which is 16 times more than his most recent MMA bout. For what this means for the future of combat sports, we're joined now by Bloomberg Sports reporter Randall Williams. Thank you for having me once again. Well, I want to know, first of all, if you know you can help me train. Just I'll take just <laughs> MMA. But now, you know, it's there's so much money now in this boxing match. Uh, Ngano, it, it's he's a smart man. Uh, <laughs> first of all, you know, because he's going to take the money. Uh, I know it sounds silly, but what do you think outside of money motivated him to do this? Well, he always wanted to box. I mean, if you listen to any of his interviews in the past from where he came from in in, uh, Cameroon and just growing up there, it was always his lifelong dream. But he's been an MMA fighter for most of his career at the UFC, and he wanted to box while being a member of the UFC, got into a very uh, heated contract negotiation with them that didn't pan out the way that he wanted it to so he hit free agency signed with the pfl and the pfl let him box and he found himself a high profile opponent in tyson fury what is it about the economics of mma that make it so the paydays are nothing compared to boxing well the structure well boxing is first of all has been around for a very long time but it's a niche sport now yeah but when you've been around for a long time and you know in terms of and your name is don king no, but <laughs> when you've been around for a long time, 
there's a lot of recognition from fans. So you look at the pay-per-view numbers, a lot of times the boxing cards sell a little bit more than UFC, unless Conor McGregor's on a card. And also the splits between boxing uh, promotions and fighters versus MMA fighters and um, MMA companies or promotions is drastically different. Um, and so a lot of these guys, and it's the same in boxing in some ways, where boxing, when you're first getting started, you're probably not going to make a lot of money as much as like the prize fighters like Tyson Fury and some of the other popular guys are. Um, but, yeah, well, that's, that's where it stands. Randall, $10 million isn't a lot of money. It's not a lot of money. Conor McGregor fought uh, Floyd Mayweather, what, what was it, $85 million? That's a four percent So that just kind of, I think we're just scratching the surface, right? I mean, these MMA fighters turning to boxing to get that payday, I mean, what does that mean for the PFL? What does that mean for the UFC? Well, that's why both of those organizations have been a little weary to allow it is because if Conor McGregor had won that fight, I think that the trend would have reversed and be like, okay, let's do some more of these. But because he lost, and granted, like it wasn't like he lost to a slouch. He lost to one of the greatest of all time, mm-hmm. if not the greatest of all time, depending on what, what era you're from. And so what, because he lost, we haven't seen that many guys do it since, unless it's been like a celebrity boxing match. And quite frankly, a lot of MMA guys have been getting embarrassed. I mean, Jake Paul knocked out Ben Askren and Tyron Woodley, and neither one of these guys are strikers. But at the same time, it's a bad look for an organization. It's like, oh, we're going to have a celebrity fight and he's going to fight a YouTuber, he gets knocked out. So, Randall, there's the Ultimate Fighting Championship, which is the top MMA company. Then yep, there's the Upstart, uh, which is Professional Fighters League, PFL. Who owns these companies or who backs them? Who who are the big players involved? Well, Endeavor owns the, uh, the UFC mm-hmm. and so they also own the WWE. They, uh, I think that transaction was pretty recent. Um, on the PFL, it's Don Davis and he's it started, I think, in 2017. So the PFL is pretty new, but they've made a lot of ground. And Ngannou is their biggest signing by far because of the fact that he did come from the UFC. And it wasn't like this is a guy who lost and he's washed or anything. He left the UFC as a champion. His last fight was one that the UFC, Dana White didn't even step into the octagon to wrap the belt around Ngannou's waist, which is a big deal. That's pretty traditional. And so the heated negotiation that went on between Ngannou and the UFC resulted in Ngannou hitting free agency, signed with the PFL, their biggest signing ever. And they pretty much said, like, hey, we're going to do as much as we can to help you achieve your dreams. And Don Davis, the PFL's, um, I think he's the CF- CEO there now, uh, he said that they would do another deal like this if another Ngannou comes mm-hmm. along. Now, what are the chances that there's another Ngannou? I'm not sure. But if Israel Adesanya or... Uh, Alex Perea, some of these guys in the UFC that are more popular hit free agency. You, I could put my life on it that Don Davis would be making a call and be like, you want a Ngannou-like contract? We can make it happen. Well, Randall, for our audience, just get, you know, give them some color on that deal, right? Didn't I mean, wasn't it kind of like a Leo Messi deal? They gave him a cut of the, com- of, of the league and, and they guaranteed a minimum for whoever's fighting against him of like yep. 1.2. So, I mean, like, I mean, talk to us a little bit about that. It's a lot about benefits. And Ghana wanted to negotiate for benefits when he was with the UFC. Something like a cut of the sponsorship would go to the fighters. He wanted a fighter on a Uf- the UFC's board of, not directors, but one of their boards there. Uh, and so when he went to the PFL, he gets the person he's fighting against gets $2 million. Uh, there's, he gets to be the lead of the PFL Africa, 
which you know they'll they'll probably grow into. He's on the board of directors. He has a lot of leverage there. Yeah. Um, and he probably his, his pay is probably increased there as well. Now the exposure is not going to be the exact same as the UFC, but he can bring it. Mm-hmm. If he has some highlight reels, or let's just say that another UFC heavyweight free agent or another UFC free agent, excuse me, another UFC fighter ends up hitting free agency, the PFL signs them. Now the story can continue for a different promotion. And the PFC has a lot of money at their fingertips, right? Because uh, Saudi Arabia's Sovereign Wealth Fund is an investor in, yep. in the PFL. And the, the PFL has been rumored to want to buy Bellator, which is another MMA organization. Mm. Um, and that would definitely bridge the gap a little bit because you get a lot of fighters you get a an organization that has been around a long time for a relatively new organization so that isn't complete i have no sources on that that have said like oh this is close or anything but there's been rumors so if it happens it helps the pfl a lot now randall in all seriousness why are we even talking about this i mean talk to us a little bit about um educate us on what the life of your typical mma fighter is like it's not (laughs) all roses and sunshine now is it no not at all i mean we see a lot of champions get a lot of exposure, but a lot of these guys are fighting for thirty to forty thousand dollars, and they have to go and pay their camp. They have a manager. They like the, sometimes you can walk away with fifteen thousand dollars, and then you have medical fees. Like imagine <laughs> if you get your nose broken and you you're not insured by the UFC. Now some they'll they'll send you to the hospital and they'll take care of you if you're on the main card, or sometimes if you suffer a, a big injury. But if you didn't impress the boss there, then there's a big chance that you may not get any medical coverage. Wow. Um, and so these guys a lot of times have more than one job, and this is something they're doing on the side as they try to work their way up. Thirty to $40,000. I'm, I'm in there getting – I almost said something that wasn't going to make the show. It's like, but that's nothing compared to what the top level is. I know we're running out of time, but, I mean, what can be done to help equalize that? Well, it's something that everybody's been talking about for a number of years, which is a union, whether it be in boxing, whether it be in MMA. A union could definitely help these fighters bargain. But when you have guys like Tyson Fury and some of the top fighters who are making hundreds of millions of dollars, at what point do they come down from their mountain and be like, I want to help out the little guy? Well, they've been away from that lower ground for so long. Maybe they don't feel like it. And and in MMA, it's it's similar. Like, I can't imagine Conor McGregor in all of his successful fights with the UFC. I don't remember the last time he had a pay-per-view that didn't sell a million buys. Uh, Him coming down and like, you know what? I want to put on for whoever's back there in Ireland that's 22 years old so that he can get a little bit more money. I think his advice advice would just be like, go win. And so who knows if it happens? And Ganu doesn't think it will. Bloomberg Sports Reporter, Randall Williams, you are the man. Thank you so much, man, for joining us. Thank you all for having me, as usual. Up next on the show, it's about that time. Harold Reynolds from the MLB Network joins us to talk about the ongoing fall classic. That is straight ahead on Bloomberg Business of Sports. I'm Michael Barr with Scarlett Fu and Damian Sassauer. This is Bloomberg. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. 
To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Thanks for joining us on the Bloomberg Business of Sports show where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr. I'm Scarlett Fu. And I'm Damien Sassauer. Oh, you see, what what happened? The Arizona Diamondbacks are battling the Texas Rangers in the World Series. If you're a betting man, <clears throat> uh, you probably had uh, Houston against the Phillies. Uh, that didn't happen. For an inside look at the series and what we can expect in baseball's offseason, we're joined now by Harold Reynolds of the MLB Network. Harold, thank you so much, Mr. Reynolds, for joining us on the Bloomberg Business of Sports, sir. Hey, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And I'm with you. I thought I'd be sitting uh, in Houston or for, <laughs> in Philly, for sure, because Philly would have the home field advantage. Uh, instead, sitting in Dallas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to start with the obvious question is that, you know, where, where do you see both teams that got knocked out of the playoffs? I mean, do you see, especially Houston, are they going to revamp their, their pitching uh, the, or the bullpen or starters? What's going to happen? Well, Houston's interesting. They're in the crossroads. Uh, clearly, most of the reports came out. Dusty Baker uh, was stepping down. So that's. That's a, a, a big deal. You know, Dusty took over that team in the middle of a mess. You know, you come out of the scandal. Uh, you know, it was hard to get the players to even want to come out onto the field. Remember, they skipped. They got voted into all-star games and didn't go because they were being booed so poorly. That Altuve hasn't been to an all-star game in a long time because of that whole scandal. So Dusty inherited quite the problem, and he was able to write that ship uh, they have some terrific players and get it going. I think Dana Brown, the new general manager, will make this very similar to when he was w- with Atlanta and locking young players up moving forward. So I think we'll still see Houston winning games. We'll see the foundation with Bregman and Altuve. Uh, but I think we're going to see a lot of these other younger players start to get locked up long-term when they come up and perform like Pena has done. I uh, know Tucker's a free agent in a year and a half, so they got to make that decision. You know, so those are the type of things they got to do. I'm not going to lie; it scared me from using metal garbage cans after the scandal. <laughs> Y'all need just look it up, folks. Just look it up. I'm sorry. Well, Go you ahead. know, well, you know, Michael. One name that we haven't really been talking about, and I don't know how we can talk about him in this year's Major League Baseball playoffs, is Adolis Garcia. I mean, this man is hitting at a record pace. I mean, before this World Series even began, he had 20 RBIs, which I think was a record uh, in terms of playoff RBIs. You know, going into the World Series. I mean, you know, Harold, talk to us about this talent that's bubbling to the surface here. What's other standout performers kind of catch your eye well i mean garcia is 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 amazing um you think about him and you think about randy rosarena they were roommates in the cardinal wow. system so the cardinals had them both you know it reminds me of the old stories of willie mays and Berto clemente that the, the giants could have had all them you know <laughs> um so but um 
I think some of the great young talent, I, I just love De La Cruz in, in Cincinnati. Um, he's going to be a phenomenal player. Uh, Corbin Carroll is playing right now in the World Series for Arizona. Uh, the game is, I can go on and on and on yeah. because the game is so young and the talent is so plentiful. So I think we've turned the corner to youth and really fleshing out. If you're 35, you're pretty much gone, <laughs> you know, at this point in time. It is, my younger guys are better than your younger guys. You know, Howard, one other thing I just got to ask you quickly. I mean, what is up with all these road wins, man? I mean, road team won every game of the American League Championship Series, man. And now Ari beat, you know, they beat Philadelphia on the road in that battle of the wild, wild cards. I mean, what, what, what's going on here? I mean, why are teams spending so much money on their stadiums if they've got the home field advantage? <laughs> well, I, I'm with you with that. Um, there's really not any like true home field advantages anymore in my mind when you got rid of the AstroTurf or uh, like in the Metrodome, they had the white roof. You go in there every time you hit a fly ball, the other team couldn't see it. You know, Tampa's really, to me, the only true, like, we got a ring up there. Who plays with the ring, you know? And uh, <laughs> the ball sit up there and it might hit the ring and the players don't know and it ricochets off, you can catch it. I remember playing in Seattle in the kingdom and we knew that if a ball hit the speakers it was still live you know so there'd be a ball hit down the line and hit the speaker and i'd be on a full sprint and diving in foul territory <laughs> and the other team would look at me like i was crazy and i'd catch it and they'd be out and they'd go what oh, man. <laughs> so that's the home field advantage but today we have great ballparks i love them they're different but there's not really like i walk in and as a visiting player and there's something that the home team doesn't know that I may not know. Harold, is MLB happy with the matchup of Rangers versus Diamondbacks, or would they have preferred, let's say, the Dodgers making it all the way? I mean, not just MLB, the sponsors and the advertisers as well, because you would think one of the big market teams that spent a lot of money should be in the World Series, especially after a season in which MLB had a re renaissance. Charlotte. Yeah, see, I, I didn't want to ask trouble. that, because, but Bulldog Food was going to ask trouble. it. Yes, no. That's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> I, I, I forget Charlotte's web. That's Scarlett's web. <laughs> um, no, I mean, obviously, look, everybody would like the big markets. I, you know, that's, that's, that's the obvious. And, yeah, even MLB. But I think what's happening, you got two teams that have never won. Have, Arizona won in 01, and the Rangers have never won. You know, so I think they look at it like, all right, the new blood is coming. Mm. And coming out of the CBA, uh, the big lockout and the fight that was stirred up, a lot of it had to do the reason we're in today with, with two teams that everybody didn't know about. It freed up the money across the board that you have two teams last year had losing records, and now they're in the World Series. So I think if you ask Rob Manfred, he would say, that's parody at its best, and this is what we want for our sport. You know, baseball is one of the only sports that has not had a repeat since Derek Jeter's Yankees way back mm -hmm. in 98. You know, So that's good for the sport. As a big conglomerate, I want the big New York teams and the sponsors there. I think we live in a different world now with – because with the internet and, and the way people reach people through social media, mm -hmm. kind of changed everything. I mean, we got Taylor Swift going to 
football games in Kansas City, you know? Uh, and, and everybody follows that. Yeah, you know, yeah. the paparazzi in Kansas City, y'all. You know, who would have thought that? Who so, would have thought that? Is it possible to to build a dynasty in this new world then? With the with the CBA, the way it's constructed? I, I think it is. I think you look at the Atlanta Braves. And if you can lock your young guys up. But um, the challenge is not necessarily the teams as much as it is the player. Because... The player can sit there now and go, man, I got to have to make $300 million? Or do I have a team come to me when I'm 23 years old and say, here's 150 Do I want to gamble on the $150 million? Hopefully we're getting players going, I'm getting paid younger, I'm getting more money younger, I want to stay here. You talk about locking up these young guys, right? And, you know, yeah. it looks like Craig Breslow is heading back to the Boston Red Sox. And if you remember Craig, good old Craig was hired by Theo Epstein in Chicago to develop that Cubs farm system, to develop that pitching staff, right? And now he's yeah. coming to the Boston Red Sox. And, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, Scarlett. I'm thinking about my friends over in Queens. I'm thinking about the New York Mets. And Buck Walter looks like he's headed to the Angels. I mean, what comes next for the Mets? You know, like what comes next for the Red Sox, for the Mets? And, you know, you know who's going to be leading? these organizations well I, I i mean obviously the red sox i, I love craig breslow um they need to get some stability they've got a ton of young talent coming in that organization i've got a chance to i managed the futures game uh last summer so i got a chance to see quite a few of them uh they got a lot of talent coming so it'll be interesting to see um the mets you know david stearns um when when uh andrew friedman went to the dodgers and he took over coming over from Tampa, who had the lowest payroll, and he'd gone to the World Series, and he'd developed this great run that Tampa is still on. And I said when he went to the Dodgers, man, that's like Tampa on steroids now, you know, where he's going to have the funding to be able to really do the things he's done. Well, what he's done in L.A. is he's been in the postseason every season. I think you'll see a run like that with the Mets now. I know somebody who has a crush on Shohei Otani. And uh, it, let's put it. Let's put it this way: uh, it's three of us in the room, <laughs> and <laughs> just pick one. So, Scarlett, I, I know you like Shohei. I well, I saw him when they played the Mets, and um, he pitched the game. He was incredible. Just overall, he, did he not pitch that game? He didn't pitch that game. He just hit. But every time he went up to bat, everyone at the stadium cheered. Whether you're a Mets fan or an Angels fan, it was pretty remarkable. Harold Shohei Otani got his Tommy John surgery. Uh, of course, his contract expired after this year so the big question is where is he going to end up does the surgery reduce his value in any way well first of all i thought the intro was talking about me I, <laughs> like, I, thought, I thought i was gonna be the one getting called out Look, this, i've never seen anything like this guy i mean Look, I played with Griffey. I've, I've, yeah. I've been around some of the greatest players and watched them, got to know them, friends with them. I go to the Hall of Fame, and I'm sitting there going, I play against that guy, that guy, that guy, 50-some Hall of Famers. And there's nothing like Shohei Otani. I mean, the first thing that people at home, you have to go in person like Scarlett did because you don't realize how big he is. The dude is 6'5". Yeah. He's a yeah, everyone Good looks like looking. a child next to him. He's got charm. Uh, he's got it all. And I don't think the, the surgery sets him back because we're talking about a megastar that crosses and transcends over. I mean, he's big here in our country. 
he can't go anywhere in Japan. Right. So now I know the minute I sign him, I bring that whole country with me everywhere he goes. Every game he plays is on TV there. Mm-hmm. Every what thing he does, they sell out. It's the most selling uniform, more than even their own Japanese league teams. People buy Otani stuff. So regardless of if I get him back to pitch next year or the year after, I'm still making the money I've invested because he is an attraction that we've never seen. So I don't think it hurts him in that sense. Uh, being able to pitch, I'm going to miss that of him. But he'll be back in a year, but he's going to hit. So before I continue on, but just imagine if, if you're that player and you go, hey, you know what, I'm not pitching this year. Oh, is he still valuable? Well, he led the league in homers. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's the fastest guy in the field. Oh, wow. Okay. He's so dynamic that we stop talking about Mike Trout. Okay? That's, that's doing something. You're right. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't think of it that way, but you're exactly right. <laughs> With Shohei out there on the field, is uh, Mike who? Is, <laughs> and it really is amazing, man. Harold, to think about that, that's how dynamic this player is. Yes. I mean, Mike Trout is the, the greatest player in this generation. Yeah. And for three years, all we talk about is Shohei Otani. Harold, you know? You, you know you can come back anytime you want. I, you know who Harold Reynolds reminds me of now? Now with the dominant with the MLB Network, reminds me of Pat Summerall. And the youngins forget <laughs> how great <laughs> you were on the field, and they forget how great Pat Summerall was on the field. And for that matter, Frank Gifford when he was in the booth, how great he. I, see, I, we got to school the youngins, man. That, I, I'm I'm trying to do my best, Harold. Thank you, man. You're too kind. MLB I, I Network Oh, man. You're oh, so nice. guys, thank you. And I, and I, I know you watch Warren Spawn pitch, too, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Harold Reynolds, right, you're the man. That does it for us today. I'm Michael Barr. Find me on X at Big Bar Sports. And I'm on X at Scarlet Foo. And I'm on X at D Sassauer. Thank you very much for joining us. Tune in again next week for the latest on the stories moving big old money in the world of sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports, Bloomberg Radio, around the world. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.